We've been to all four corners of Britain in our quest to interview the great and good of entertainment. Comics, actors, writers, politicians, singers, dancers and choreographers. It doesn't matter who they are. They've all given me their own take on the world they live in and have, in their own way, helped to define what makes Britain great. So join me and my assistants as we get another insight into the marvellous and enigmatic world of showbiz here on Beyond the Title. Writer and comedian Mo Gilligan swapped a life in retail for comedy in 2017 when his videos were spotted by Canadian rapper Drake who cited him on his Instagram account. A quick rise to prominence within the UK comedy circuit attracted attention from TV producers who united him with the UK grime artist for Channel 4's The Big Nasty Show in 2018 followed by securing his own self-titled Channel 4 Friday night chat show earlier this year. I caught up with TV's newest jostler to talk rap, comedy and his hopes for the future. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr Mo Gilligan. You've frequently cited your comedy influences being mostly from transatlantic sense of humour, including people like Chris Rock. How did you adapt that sort of brash, vivacious comedy to fit British comedy landscape? Yeah, I guess with uh, a lot of the comedy I was introduced to was through things like uh, Deaf Comedy Jam. Um, that was most over the first time I'd seen, um, you know, I'd seen other black comics at that time, but I'd never seen comics talk about subjects I didn't know about, mm. um, which sometimes were things about like O.J. Simpson and, you know, the L.A. riots. I'd never seen comedy on that scale before. Yeah. Um, I think... I was obviously massively influenced through that. Um, I guess what I always took from that was the physicality through that comedy, but um, I was always influenced by people like, you know, Lee Evans and, Mm. you know, Mickey Flanagan. So it was almost like, how can I take the physicality of like those comics that I'd watched on like a Def Jam, but then have the narrative and style of, you know, a comedian like Lee Evans or, yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I always just try to make sure I talk about myself a lot and uh, my story. Um, yeah. I think that's what kind of um, started to, to shine through with my, my, my style of comedy. Cool. So, so only sort of semi-recently you received your sort of major first public adulation with American rapper Drake mentioning you in an Instagram post. Um, yeah. Your opinion, how was that sort of social media side of things revolutionised the way that stars are created and sort of how that gave you a platform to move into comedy? Yeah, it's obviously nice when someone like Drake like recognises uh, what you do, you know. Um, it's always like, I guess for me, it's always very important to, like it's hard because as much as he recognised it, I never think it was the catalyst in my um, my success with comedy um, I think the cool thing is what it did do social media. It opened me up to a bigger audience that mm. I realised because I'm thinking, oh, you know, this is my mates watching it. But then when you get someone like, you know, a huge, you know, rapper like Drake, then you're like, oh my gosh, this is this is how far it can go, and yeah. the kind of people that would normally not get to see my stuff can see my stuff. Um, so yeah, I think that's the, the the cool thing about social media is yeah. that it can open you up to worlds that you never knew was was possible. Yeah. Was there a weird feeling though when it's like that that sort of level of reach the first time that happened? Oh yeah, of course. I think it was more so like when he followed me 
on social media, um, I was like, wow, like, oh my gosh, like, he follows me. You know, I'm always excited when anyone follows me, but I guess it was like seeing someone like him. But then there's other people who are like, I'm from Australia and I watch your stuff, or I'm from Canada, I'm from, you know, the, the US. I think that's when you start to realize you're like, wow, this is, this is like, you know, normally it would take a long, if without social media, you know, it would take a, a different path for you to get recognized in other mm. countries, you know, and I've been recognizing countries I hadn't been in before. Yeah. Um, so I think that was the beauty of what I was realizing that I was doing is that it's so much broader than just um, who you think would like your stuff, you know? Yeah, cool. So in terms of your career, obviously it's happened within quite a short space of time. How have you managed mm-hmm. to sort of quantify your journey so far and sort of keep your feet on the ground, I suppose? Um, I, I spend a lot of time with my, my family and my friends and stuff. Try and when I'm not doing stand-up comedy, I just like, I guess that's where I just get a chance to just really try and like chill out through kind of the, 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 the showbiz life as such. Mm. You know, like I like playing football with my friends, like just like the things that I was, I used to love doing before um, I got to do what it is that I do now. So um, I think it's very important that I still do those things because it's good to switch off at the same time. It's like I can go football with my friends and they still take, you know, the mick at me if I I miss an open goal. You know what I mean? You know, you're not immune. Yeah, they, it, you know, those things are very humbling. They bring you back down to earth, you know. Yes. So touring stand-up then, that you mentioned there, is notoriously quite a difficult thing to perfect and also just to to have the, the drive to do night after night. Tell us a little about the development process of a comedian starting as sort of bottom of the bill and then becoming a headline act and you sort of, you get the chance to play a lot of comedy clubs, I'm sure. Are there any in particular yeah, that you've really right. enjoyed? Yeah, I guess that's the the cool thing with stand up is you're always perfecting like your your art or your joke or mm. you know your style or the way you say things. Um, you know, when you you are that young comic, you are the one that's first. So you've got a lot to live up to because then you're like sometimes you just want to impress the headliners yeah. who are watching. You know, you hope that they might see you if they get there on time. Um, and then when you move second on the build, then you're like, okay, well I'm not. I'm not good enough to headline, but I'm not the guy that's first anymore. And then when you yeah. do move into a, a place where you're headlining, you know, you'll meet, like I meet comics now who know who I am already and I don't know who they are. So yeah. I now have to live up to, you know, uh, a, a good representation of me as a comic, you know. Um, mm. I want to be open and, you know, even if they like, you know, sometimes I meet new comics and they want advice and, I'm always making sure I'm always giving advice and helping them or if I've got a small gig and like swapping numbers and saying, yeah, like come and do my gig because it's very important if you're the guy that's headlining, you are, you know, because I remember being that comedian who was young, he was headlining and sometimes that the, the guys who have been in it for a little while kind of kind of ignore you a little bit and you're like, yeah. you know, and that's, that's, not, that's not to say that they don't have to show you that recognition but... It, it is very important when you're on the circuit and you're starting out that you know you 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 know you're you are checking for the new guys and you are you know even if the guy who's second you know you're like oh man that good set and you are watching their set that means a lot to those comedians so yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. It, it is definitely like a ranking system. But I guess even now it's even harder that if I do headline, I have to deliver more than ever because now people are like, oh, I've seen you on TV. Mm. Like, you better be good. <laughs> Whereas when you're starting out, you can just, yeah, you'd be like, well, they mostly won't remember who I am, so it's not a problem. Is that a little bit daunting then, trying to live up to the sort of expectation? Where it's happened so quickly, uh, you're a bit like, whoa, it's, you know... Yeah, I guess it's a little bit, especially with like when you're on the circuit, because sometimes I might go to a night that's like an open mic night, and people are like, oh man, I've seen some TV, he's going to be great, and I'm like, no, I'm just trying out some new stuff, and when you try out new stuff when you're starting out, and it works, it's so much better than when people know who you are, trying out new stuff, because if, you know, when people don't know who you are, you're like, okay, that wasn't really well, or that that joke's really worked, but um, you also don't want you can try out new stuff and people will just be laughing because they're like, oh, I've seen him on TV, he's great, it's funny. And you, it oh. gives you a false sense of reality a little bit, you know? Because you're like, yeah. I don't know if this is good. Or they're just laughing because they have seen my stuff before and they're just quite excited that I'm doing a new material night, you know? Yeah. Oh. Hey, hey, um, hey, um, Josh just asked, you is it sort of like its own little community then, the sort of um, comedy club comedians? Uh, yeah, the the circuit is a is a massive community in terms of <clears throat> you know new comedians, established comedians, uh, you know the comedy club promoters, uh, the comedy club people who own the clubs. Um, it is a big community. Some people don't know people but if someone is new you might have heard of them for another comic so a lot of comics ain't they they kind of know what's going on and it's really important to even if you're not on the circuit as much you you mm. want to know what's going on you know what's, yeah. what's what's the new place that everyone's performing at what's you know how how was that competition is that club still good i heard you know that's very yeah. important to to know what's going on within the realms of stand-up comedy you know mm. And then in 2018, you secured a presenting role on Channel 4's Big Nasty Show. What were your yeah. first impressions of that show, sort of moving into TV? Yeah, that was my first ever TV kind of um, something where I just got to felt like I was kind of leading it a little bit. Yeah. Um, even though I wasn't the main person. Um, and it was an introduction to me in TV. Um, and it was just exciting because I've never done any TV so to do a show like that, which was very loose, it was quite unpredictable, you know, you had really like, you know, we had people like Tandy Newton as guests. Um, it was it was really exciting, but at the same time, like, I, had to re- I started to realise that and I've got a job to do here. I can't just, I can't just be to it, I can't be excited all the time. Mm-hmm. I need to make sure that I'm, I've got a job here to do and you know, I was quite lucky enough that I was one of the people that got to write on the show. So it was really cool to start seeing your ideas come to life and yeah. then be added onto a show. And you're like, oh my God, like, that was my idea. That was my sketch. Like, it was, that was my, sorry, the most exciting thing about doing um, the first series of Big Nasty. Yeah, quite a cool way to do it as well, I suppose, where you weren't sort of the star vehicle for the show, but you, you became sort of the star towards the end of and then obviously it's led on to, to your own show after. Oh, cheers, thank you. Yeah, it was, it was a massive learning curve with that show. 
because you, you, I'm very much a person who likes to learn when you know op- these opportunities come along. So I want to know how, you know, like how is why, why is that camera there and like how do we do that and so mm. how does it get edited and what's the process? It's very, it's very important to know how these things work. You know. Yeah, and obviously, when you're on the big nasty show, you're with. Obviously, Nasty has become such a cultural figure, uh, sort of re- recently, yeah. really, from this innocent, unknowingly natural charm. How difficult mm-hmm. is it to co-host with somebody as who comes across at least so televisually unaware? No, I think that's the the best thing about it is that we're both doing TV, and we've both never done TV before. Yeah. So, my first introduction of doing TV is just someone who's just like is someone who is not really like he's not made for tv but he's been given his tv show so it's like it's like doing tv with last like one of your friends and you're just having a laugh as yeah. opposed to someone who's like a big professional they've done it for years um you know they they give you like tips okay when i do this okay make sure you don't do that yet you want to yeah. do you want to be reading also cute it's it's it's, most, it's definitely the opposite like yeah. <laughs> it's just like Okay, all right, and action, and we just go for it. We just do yeah. a TV show, and it's with a packed studio audience. So, yeah, I think that's the, the really the, the pleasure of doing that show. Yeah, and obviously, like I say, now you've got your own, you've got your own show, and that sort of again come about straight off the back of the the big nasty show, and it's quite a crowded market, isn't it? With sort of Graham Norton, Jonathan Ross, Alan Carr, mm-hmm. all those kind of people. But what do you think makes your show so unique and why it's been so successful? Um, I think for for my show, um, you know, I've definitely learned a lot from those shows. You know, I'm a fan of all of those shows. So I guess with me coming in to make a TV show, I've had to kind of find an angle that is a little bit different. Um, and sometimes it's also like having people on uh, a couch that normally wouldn't be on a couch. You know, having Anderson packed with Eamon Holmes. Um, That's what I think where my show uh, is a little bit different from the shows that already exist. Um, And then I guess also having, um, you know, guests and also trying to show a fun side to their personality as well, whether it's through, you know, uh, Nursery Grimes or, you know, we might have them in a sketch. Um, I think that is how I've, I've kind of been able to try and, learn to make my show different but equally also like you know the shows that are already there they've been around and they've been a success for a long time so um you know i'm like the new kid on the block so i also want to be around for a long time as well so it's also very important that you know like the shows that are there continue to be there because it just help we all help each other at the yeah. end of the day you know we all offer something different but yeah. you know like that's the, the, my show is very different from graham norton and graham norton is different from you know, Jonathan Ross. So yeah, cool. I think mean, that's the beauty of, of it as well. Okay. So you mentioned nursery grimes there. That's one of the highlights of the series. How do you? Yeah. How do how, sections like that? Do you do you deliberately sort of create those to break up that chat show format so that it is a little bit more diverse? And yeah. Well, different? that I guess with the show, I, I really wanted to include uh, myself within these games. So. Mm-hmm. Nursery Grimes came through from like my I had this when I've done the Russell Howard hour. Yeah. Um, I talk about how my dad would do like you know Raspberry Nursery Rhymes. Yeah. And the idea came from that. 
So already when I had the chance to do my own show, I was like, I really want someone else to do that, but how about we change it every week to their genre? Um, and that's kind of how it came about, really. A lot of the, the you know, the games or the ideas were just things I've kind of had in stand-up comedy or even sketches um, where I could already include things which was, like, quite personal to me, right. but then I can just add it for the show. So Nursery Grimes was the first like, idea that I most probably had. Of, like, if I had a game show, I'd love to do that. Yeah. And then it just became so popular. We just ended up doing it every week because yeah. it became, like, like, I guess our kind of version of a bit like carpool karaoke or, you know, Graham Norton's Red Chair. Like, yeah, yeah. that was, like, my thing, you know? Yeah, cool. Josh asked, how much sort of free reign do you get given um, in the creation of the show? Oh, well, a lot. Well, it's, you know, it's partly made by my own production company. So half of it is made by my production company and the other half is made by expectation. Right. So I think that's the beauty of it is that it's I'm working with people who have already made TV Then I'm mm-hmm. someone that's quite new in making TV. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of ideas. We Sometimes we have too many ideas. Yeah. And normally the case is that we have to kind of fizzle down and be like, okay, we can do this, we can't do that. We're not going to have enough time for that. As opposed to, you know, someone telling me, no, you can't do that, you're not allowed. Um, I'm normally yeah. allowed to do a lot of things, um, but normally the problem is we have too many ideas. So um, we then normally have to like fizzle them down to like, okay, we're going to do this because of time. Mm-hmm. So um, luckily enough, I'm very like involved in the process of my own show, which is which is quite quite you know quite a good space to be in like for my yeah. first you know show. So looking back at your career so far, um, what would you say your mm-hmm. proudest achievement's been? Oh, there's a few. Um, I guess one of them was um, was the tour. The tour was something that I've always wanted to do. Um, yeah, it, it was a chance that got me to travel a lot and show my brand of comedy around the world. You know, we went to Australia, um, sold out some shows there. So, um, yeah, I and mean, you know, the tour is something that led to like the the Netflix special that we have coming out on the 5th of September so it's all like been like a catalyst a little bit you know to be like done the tour the tour went really well then we ended up recording the tour now the tour is going to be now shown to the world so um yeah it's most probably that the tour is my, my, my proudest achievements today like the tv show is great um and I, that was that is definitely still up there but um I feel like it kind of stemmed through this tour you know it was the tour that got channel 4 kind of recognized me a little bit um you know so it was a catalyst for a lot of my um my achievements you know yeah so what's next for Mogu? um i guess next um my, my new bit of like a passion project now i've got some some time uh i say time off but just a little bit of time to kind of do some like other projects until like next year um, but yeah, next is just now. It's just like I'm gonna focus on this podcast I've had for a long time. I've had this idea for like about a year or two, um, and only now I can really like have a chance to really show it for once. Is like, I guess it's just a different way of just um, showing, showing like I guess like yeah, kind of like showing what else I can really do. But that's a little bit more just I guess it's quite hard when you go from like TV show, you know, Netflix. 
Um, I guess everyone's sitting there like, you're going to be in a movie? And it's like, oh, I'll do the podcast. So <laughs> I guess I always like doing things that are a little bit more different as opposed to, to, to the norm, you know? Yeah. Thank you to our guest for being the subject of another Beyond the Title interview. If you liked this, why not browse the website and see if there's anything else that takes your fancy. Don't forget to like our Facebook page to receive updates on forthcoming interviews and to see more information about me and what I do. Thanks again and hopefully see you next time.